0: Frank, you need to calm down back there, all right?
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Cast on roto Radio, brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag. We are into our second week of free agency talk, and for that, I am joined by my good friend, Dan Senyo. How's it going, tonight, Dan?
0: It's good. The uh, COVID-19 is among us. Some states are taking it seriously. Most still aren't. And sounds like we've got our first university forcing its staff back to uh, <laughs> back to class and trying to get its students back as well. So we need fantasy football more than ever to try to take our minds off of it. Hopefully we can be a slight distraction for you, even if it's only for 35 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it happens to be. And we have someone to help make it even more
1: distracting. Nathan, who do we have? Uh, today we have not, not Ryan McDowell, not Russell Clay, but our our third guest that we have on the podcast occasionally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have Travis May. How's it going tonight, Travis? Uh, I'm
2: glad to be a distraction. Uh, that's uh, that's that's about it. Just glad to join you guys as always.
1: Yes, and Travis, uh, obviously you are the other Dynasty podcast on the Rotoviz uh, network. Why don't you uh, g- give a plug for for your own Dynasty podcast? the other podcast. So yeah, so we are the <laughs> Dynasty. Oh, well, you came in second, Travis. We were we were OG. The other wow. one. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: okay. B team, whatever. Have you heard Curtis's voice? That's not a B team voice. Come on. Oh, true. Uh, okay. But anyways, the Dynasty Command Center podcast. I always enjoy talking with with Curtis on there. We actually just had TJ Calkins step in for him this past week and it's always a blast talking about some Dynasty everything. Um uh, throwing some Debbie there from time to time because that's my my favorite thing. But uh yeah, check it out. Dynasty Command Center. And and definitely the rookie guide that just came out because uh that's that that's been a lot of fun. Uh the Dynasty Command Center rookie guide. It is actually a Rotoviz publication. And so you can actually find it on the Rotoviz dot website. It's actually got its own tab. So check it
1: out. Speaking of Rotoviz, before we get into the show, make sure that you get involved with our Rotoviz discount. Rotoviz.com slash radio gives you a ten percent discount to all of our content and tools, all the awesome, awesome stuff that's been pumped out on the redraft side, and of course stuff that Travis and Curtis do on the writing side because Dan and I are too lazy to write. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, all that great stuff that Rotoviz produces. And helps will support the pod, both uh, Dynasty Command Center as well as uh, Dynasty Recast and all the other podcasts on our network. Make sure to get involved, rotovizcom slash radio. So let's get into the show. We're, we're going to start off. We're kind of going to do in a bit of a numerical order. And we'll start with last last week on Monday night, we finished recording at 10.02 p.m., and by 10 20 p.m there was two pieces of news so we're going to start with those two pieces <laughs> of news uh the first one stefan diggs traded to the bills for if i'm remembering correctly, was an absolute haul i think it was a first a third and a fifth which first, i saw first and a, fourth and then a
0: future future third i think
1: holy moly it was quite the haul that the bills paid for stefan diggs but they now have their number one wide receiver uh they had john brown of course uh last year but now they have a you know, putting a, a little bit of a weapon core together with uh, John Brown, Stephon Diggs, and Devin Singletary. So, uh, Travis, what was your initial reaction to this news?
2: And Cole Beasley, dude had over
1: 100.
2: <laughs> <laughs> dude had a, over 100 targets. Uh, I talked about this on, on on the podcast with TJ. Actually, uh, I don't know what the heck they're gonna do there, but Stephon Diggs is is not. Uh, his stock is not up. If, you know, they were they basically just were mean. They were like, look, uh, you can complain as, as much as you want. We're still going to send you to the icy tundra that is Buffalo. And you're going to be miserable. Enjoy sharing targets with uh, two other guys that just had over 100 targets apiece last year. And a low-volume offense that finished like 24th in pass attempts. So it's just like, man, it really, really hurts. Because they were kind of a funnel offense anyway. So they funneled it really just to two guys. And uh, John Brown and Cole Beasley. Both, I think, it had just around 110 targets, uh, something like that. So unless Stephon Diggs comes in and takes all of one of their targets, plus some, there's really no way he's going to exceed what he did last year. And to me, he's a low-end wide receiver, too, if not a flex at this point, just because there's no ceiling there besides, like, the three weeks where he blows up and then the three weeks that John Brown blows up and the four annoying weeks where, for some reason, it's Cole Beasley. So I don't, I don't know what to do, but I'm not touching – any of those three at this point.
1: Yeah. I, I for me, I always tend to buy when there's a bit of an overreaction based on a transaction. Uh, so if, if dig stock is lowering based on, on this news, I, you know, at least going to put some feelers out, but from what I've seen from, you know, tweets and, you know, I haven't seen any trade trades with digs being involved, but I'd assume that his price is p- probably still being a dynasty wire receiver to, And, you know, probably around a mid first, mid to high first. So, I mean, if his price dips to like, you know, the 107, 108, sure, I'll invest at that price. Uh, But it's mostly about, you know, trying to buy at the discount. But if the discount doesn't happen, then you're right. There is some risk with the low volume offense in Buffalo. Absolutely.
0: Well, and like Travis said, it is a funnel offense. And I find it hard to believe that they're not going to funnel it through a guy that they just paid a, a pretty good ransom for. Uh, and that's not to say that the other guys won't still be involved I think the big takeaway here is is Josh Allen probably it's a it's a good increase for him getting a true wide receiver one in his offense even though that deep ball still is an issue loves to throw it and can throw it a quarter mile but you never know which side of the barn it's going to hit uh, so I, I think that's the, the main issue is his down the field play but the, I mean, John Brown and, and, and Stephon Diggs are both very, very capable, and Cole Beasley for that matter, of gaining that separation and getting open. So really all Josh Allen has to do is hit his first, potentially second read because those guys are going to be open. Uh, I don't know if secondaries are going to be able to really lock down both John Brown and Stefan Diggs, plus you have Singletary now out of the backfield. Uh, I think it's a good thing for Josh Allen. It'd be hard to say it's a negative thing. But also for Stefan Diggs in his defense, you know, he hasn't, aside from 2018, he really hasn't been a super volume driven guy. He's been more of the, uh, you know, the bang for your buck, the down the field, especially last year. Last year he had, he only had like 92, 94 targets, something like that. And he had his career high in yardage. And I mean, he was right in on par with his touchdown rate. So uh, I think he can be used really in any way that you want to use him. And I don't think it's going to be a fall-off from what Minnesota was because they were so inconsistently using him because Mike Zimmer wanted that team to be a run-first, run-second, run-third offense, and then they pay a quarterback $30 million for absolutely no reason. So uh, I think I think at worst case, it's a lateral move for Diggs, and I'm completely sincere. I think it's a good time to buy Stefan Diggs because everyone's, you know, oh, it's purgatory. You know, we, we made the jokes with Antonio Brown last off season, like, oh, I'll send him to Buffalo. And then they were like, yeah, we're going to trade you to Buffalo. And then it was like, I'm going to go off the deep end. And then Buffalo never happened. It was like 10 minutes. He but- still went off the deep end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't think it's as bad as everyone makes it out to be. I was one of the bigger Josh Allen haters. And I think his use of legs creates a little more availability for his arm, which is what people wanted was his arm. And I think his ability to use his legs frees him up Mm. to be a little more, a little more open with his arm rather than trying to force it, force it everywhere. And, and being a turnover machine, like someone like Jameis Winston would be in a similar situation. So Honestly, I would say arrows are more pointed up in Buffalo for me. I'm not like going crazy and be like, oh, Josh Allen's going to be quarterback one and uh, Diggs is going to be wide receiver one. But I I think Josh Allen realistically is going to be a mid quarterback one. Diggs should be a low end one or a high end two. And Devin Singletary, if all things are equal and he actually gets his touches this year, we should generally be looking at a low end RB one there as well.
1: Yeah, I, I will say that if there's obviously Josh Allen is the you know clear winner of this deal, but if there's a sneaky winner, it is Devin Singletary because when an offense gets better, that only helps the running back. And I think Diggs makes the Buffalo offense a better offense. So that'll end up benefiting Singletary in the touchdown category and also in the artist category. All right, let's go on to our next topic, which is going to be Amari Cooper staying with the Cowboys. Uh, we kind of all predicted this happening uh, you know, right before recording ended and ended up happening. So uh, the big thing for me is that this kind of you know, helps Dak's value. Obviously, it was a bit of a worry that Dak would end up with just Michael Gallup and maybe some ancillary pieces. But with with Cooper and Gallup, Dak is back to being you know, top five, top six dynasty uh, quarterback, not that he really ever left there. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Amari to the Cowboys, Travis?
2: Yeah, him coming back, it really stinks. For I mean, what we thought, I guess Michael Gallup could be. You know, he he was supposed to take like the next leap, and you know, but, hey, if Amari's gone, and, you know, he's like this, you know, he, he could have a, a legit wide receiver one, like just rise from the ashes, you know, and, and just. Dominate, but now really it looks like it's probably going to be they're both going to be in very similar roles, except for the fact that you know Cobb's gone and, and like forty thousand year old Jason Witten's gone, and they you know they re-signed Blake Jarwin, and so he's he's there, he's probably going to see an uptick in targets. So maybe maybe the pie because you know uh, you know they've got, they've got some extra targets there now um, with uh, Cobb and Witten that gone that maybe they see a five percent ten percent boost. Uh, but to me, for the wide receivers there, they are what they are. They're, they're not going to change a whole lot. I I, I don't think we're going to see this colossal rise. And really, I mean, Gallup, he was about like a back end wide receiver, too, based on opportunity last year. And he's about a back end wide receiver, too, in terms of like his efficiency, in terms of fantasy points over expectation. And so that's really what I'm expecting out of him again. Maybe a top out like at wide receiver 15. Uh, Mari may be top out at uh, back end wide receiver one, uh, but really I, I just like them bringing him back for, for Dak's sake uh, and, and the value there, what that means for the quarterback for sure. But I'm really interested to see how much of the pie Jarwin's going to get because if Witten can be a back end tight end one almost, uh, I, I, not that I'm saying Jarwin's an elite talent, but but if he gets any more work at all, uh, he's probably in that back end tight end one conversation for sure.
1: I think we might be a month away from being able to declare that though, because whether it's a wide receiver three or a rookie tight end, that yeah. could very easily take those targets uh, over what we yeah. expect Jarwin to have. That, yeah, that's
2: true. But they did just they did they did kind of pay him, and this this tight end class is not exactly super strong. So I we'll see, but I think he's going to work into some some significant role.
0: Yeah, I think the Cowboys find them find their way into. Some kind of wide receiver three, I would imagine, a, a slot type guy. But you know, you talk about Cobb and Winton leaving. That's 166 targets. That's I, yeah. I would say at least a decent boost for for Amari and Gallup. But Travis, you nailed it. I don't think their roles change even a little bit. I think we see very similar uh, kind of a you know a 50 50 split for the for the lion's share of that work. And then obviously you're gonna have Zeke probably getting around 80 targets or so. Uh, I think Jarwin slides up. He had only around 40 last year. So I think he just kind of moves into that Witten, you know, like 80, give or take. And then realistically, you could have a hundred target third guy if they find someone that they like, that they trust, that can fill into that kind of slot type role. Or maybe they put somebody outside and they have Amari work more inside. We kind of always had had those talks in the past of Amari working better in the inside rather than putting him on the outside. And you know, if they want to go that route, that might be the smartest route. You have, you have, you know, Dax kind of baby blankie in Amari being inside. We can keep Gallup outside because we know he can win out there, and then they can go get a big-bodied somebody in this draft. Uh, you know, maybe it's down the road. They, you know, fourth, fifth, whatever round. We know how deep this class is, and there's plenty of bodies to to fill that void. So, uh, I, I I love that Amari staying. Uh, I don't think it does anything to Dak's value. I think he was going to be a top eight quarterback regardless uh, and with very little wiggle room. His ceiling's probably like three, four, or five, and his floor is probably like eight because that's basically where he's been his whole career. So uh, I, I don't think really a whole lot happens here aside from them maybe adding that third wide receiver, like I said. But like Travis, you mentioned with, with Jarwin, any work is going to be significant for him, and he catches the ball at a high rate. I mean, the the Dallas offense has been known to you know use a, a tight end very heavily, and like again, we said they paid him, so I, I think I, I think he he could be a a really nice late tight end one that I, I don't think people are going to think about on the top of their minds. Uh, that's going to be somebody that's probably going to be a little further down boards that are going to be pretty cheap.
1: I I will say one thing as someone who is overexposed to Dwayne Haskins, uh, reportedly the Redskins were the team that was in second place for Amari Cooper. And I'm very sad for my Dwayne Haskins (laughs) shares that that it is not going to be Amari Cooper season. Uh, All right, let's go to our next topic and it'll be uh, Thomas Brady uh, to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, uh, you know, cementing James Winston, not coming back, which at this point, uh, as of recording this, Winston's still not signed. I still think there's like a, like a 2% chance that they sign Winston. <laughs> um, still unlikely, but anyways, uh, Brady the Bucks. Uh, obviously the, the biggest fantasy impact here is how much will Brady help and or hurt Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I My general thought process initially was a bit pessimistic. I, I think that his lack of risk taking is going to uh, decrease the numbers of both Evans and Godwin, but... As I've, you know, tried to, uh, you know, like the move of signing Brady a little bit more, I thought, well, if you didn't have 30 interceptions, that <laughs> you might have more yards, you might have more touchdowns. So he might. Brady obviously isn't going to be as as aggressive and risk taking as Winston was, but that might be offset by the lack of turnovers.
2: Yeah, and, and really, I. They threw the ball like 630 times, so I don't, I don't know if they really would throw the ball a ton more uh, than they did last year. And I think part of it, they just had to throw more because they were always behind because of those interceptions. <laughs> but, but we'll see. I, 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 too, was a little bit uh, skeptical uh, initially. But when I, when I dug into it more and understood where Tom Brady is still able to win uh, in terms of uh, where he targets his wide receivers and, and does so most effectively... I think it was intriguing to me for Chris Godwin, uh, just a little bit more so than Mike Evans. I think they're both going to be in that 120, 130 uh, target range, somewhere like, like, like that like, again. And uh, I'm not sure Chris Godwin's going to be as efficient as he was because he was like, I think the second most efficient wide receiver of basically all of the NFL wide receivers uh, in the league last year. Uh, so for me, it's it's about a, a lateral move because I think Godwin's going to see a, a hair of an increase based on where he's targeted in that offense. Uh, but um, I think he just can't possibly be as as efficient as he was with per target uh, last year. But Evans Evans is just a monster. He's going to get his, his touchdowns. He's going to get uh, a decent season. But I don't I don't see like the top five, top six ceiling. For Evans whereas I think Godwin could be in that range just because of where Tom Brady wins at this point in his career
0: yeah uh, so I, I mean if Michael Thomas wasn't out here catching like 190 balls every season I think you <laughs> could make a I think you could make a realistic case for Godwin being wide receiver one this year and on the other hand you've got Mike Evans who you know mostly wins downfield and that's not where Brady can go these days you know if this was six seven years ago this would have been uh, in just unreal. We would, we probably would all be running around with our pants on. I I think it's a I think it's a pretty sizable decrease for Mike Evans. Like you said, Travis, it's he's not Brady isn't a risk taker. He's not going to take those shots downfield if he's open, which sometimes he can get open. A lot of his a lot of his work is fifty fifty balls, and he's good at it. Problem is, is Brady doesn't make those throws. So I, I think if they can kind of find another way to utilize Mike Evans uh, other than just stretching the field with him and, and using those big 50 50 plays, which I'm guessing Don Brady will figure out a good way to do because it's almost like he might be the best quarterback of all time. But I guess that's still to be determined. Um, it's it, there's potential there for both of these guys to be wide receiver ones. I think just going based off historical data, we can really only put Godwin in that frame. And then you, I think you have to slide Mike Evans down because of the way he wins. He's very good at it, but he needs that risk taker at quarterback and he doesn't have it. Uh, and if, if for some God awful reason, the bucks don't draft a running back, it, it might officially
1: be Rojo season. I'm just <laughs> saying uh, actually uh, T- Tom Thomas called him Ron. So it, it'll oh, be Ron's no.
0: season. it could be Ron. He's going to have to,
2: he's going <laughs> to have to put a senior on there instead of the third or whatever he is. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the name ronald doesn't make him sound old enough <laughs> ron's way worse <laughs> what's
1: up ron uh, all
2: right he, well, he sounds like the guy that just just take, he leaves his clothes off for too long in the gym you know the gym locker room <laughs> you know that that's who
1: that's who he sounds like when you call him ron <laughs> there you go I, I do think the bucks end up taking a running back on day two and and ron ends up being out of his job hey uh, come but, on but uh i now th- this is the other Bucks topic, which I feel like throughout Tom Brady's career in the last 14, 15 years, we've chased the tight end over and over and over, and every time that it hasn't been Gronk, it hasn't really worked out. <clears throat> Nate Sudfeld or Zach Sudfeld, whatever Sudfeld <laughs> <it> was. Um, <laughs> Nate's the quarterback, but it's okay. Yes. <laughs> he, would, he uh, sucked too. <laughs> yeah, he was bad too. Yeah, he should he should have converted to tight end. That that was the problem. <laughs> there you go. Anyways. My my question here is, is there a revamped hope for O.J. Howard or is he still in, in the Bruce Arians doghouse? We'll start with Dan.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to not want to make that link of Brady to, to the tight end. But, man, we've been promised some O.J. Howard and we just haven't got it. His best <laughs> catch in the last however many years was the one he made at the baseball game. Uh, that's not a good sign, usually. Uh, as much as I'd love him, I mean if he's cheap, I'll, I'll add him, but it's it's I, I'm not I'm not willing to jump jump into the deep end for this one. I, I think I think he's mostly in a void unless that price gets palatable because he's still got that name value, he's got the draft capital, he's got everything in his favor, and now Tom Brady. But Bruce Arians, man. Just, I, I can't untrust the guy.
2: Yeah, at this point, like, weren't we expecting, given the draft capital, given the hype uh, surrounding O.J. Howard, that he would just be, be this monstrous tight end force? And he was going so so early uh, in drafts for so long. And when you look at his his stats, it's just it's funny because the dude's never had a hundred yard game, which I know tight ends don't do that a bunch, but it's funny to see just realize he's never had a hundred yard game. And like even when he gets gets the targets, he just he pretty much fails. Like if he. he he, at, at best, he's like a poor man's, like, Zacherts outside of, the, like, the last four weeks of, the, of most seasons. You know what I mean? Like, even when he gets seven, six, nine targets in a game, it's like, oh, he got 67 yards. It's like, man. And so, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's living off some older hype, and we want to force him into being the next Gronk, but he's never had more than 53 targets in a season. So, um, I, I've kind of moved on. From O.J. Howard and and I'm, I'm OK trying to buy low if he has if there's a window to do that. But there's not now because because of the hype surrounding the Brady to Gronk slash O.J. Howard situation uh, or implication. But yeah, so I, I'm just fading him and, and, and just targeting Godwin really uh, and overpaying for Godwin. I don't care
1: if there's one bit of optimism for for O.J. Howard. There isn't a conceivable way. That Tom Brady loves Cameron Brate more than James Winston loves Cameron Brate, so uh, <laughs> he, he's he's got that going for him. Uh, so uh, James Winston loves Cameron Brate, and we love our friends over at Bet Online.
0: That is right, we love them. And currently, with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events, games to wager on, all sorts of different things. Or you can let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE that's B L U E W I R E Bet online your online wagering experts.
1: All right, next on the show is going to be Todd Gurley was released from the Los Angeles Rams the newly newly minted with their logo Los Angeles Rams released Todd Gurley uh and then the next day uh he was signed by the atlanta falcons uh the same state that he played college ball in at the university of georgia so uh todd Gurley enters an offense which i don't i i I get feelings about the falcons i feel like some weeks like oh this team can't be stopped they score 42 points and then the next week they put up six points against like the worst defense in the nfl so uh i i have mixed feelings about the falcons and Gurley joining that offense only makes things more mixed but i do think that the 2020 falcons is an upgrade over the 2019 rams uh what are your thoughts on that travis
2: yeah i I, i'd like to think so uh my only worry is they they really have just kind of shifted and maybe this is just because they struggle to uh keep leads or have leads or you know find much sustained success uh week over week i guess uh, with that offense but they throw the ball a ton last year they had like what was it i, I feel like it was almost 700 pass attempts as an offense and were fourth fewest in rush attempts and, and maybe that's because they just didn't really have very high success when they ran the ball you know with Devontae freeman barely averaging three and a half yards per carry and brian hill who was never a good running back even in college against the mat competition uh you know barely averaging four yards per carry they were just struggling to find any anything close to efficiency on the ground and maybe they're hopeful that Todd Gurley comes in and fixes that problem but he actually hasn't been the you know the the Todd Gurley of a a few years ago uh, recently you know in in the past couple seasons Uh, just looking at his his last last couple years numbers I I guess we we were holding him to an impossible standard because he had two years in a row where it was like 380 something fantasy points, 370 something fantasy points, and then last year he's got like 200 and change, and uh, so he's done, right? And I, and and I'm not there with him yet. I just, I I just I don't know if they're gonna shift their game plan entirely and all of a sudden rush the ball, you know, over 400 times uh, this year, uh, and so I'm not really sure he's gonna get the the workload that he did from a couple years ago that propped him up and you know gave him like you know almost 400 fantasy points i think he's he's going to disappoint if he's in that 220 range 250 range but that's probably what we should probably expect right i think he should be a back end running back one even in this pretty decent offense
0: yeah for sure i think that i think the 200 to Uh, plus benchmark is going to be what he's at for carries it's not like they went out and paid the man all sorts of running back money he got a decent contract for you know i mean his name (laughs) so i i think i think you can pretty much draw that line at 200 and and if he if he goes over great that's only going to increase what he does uh but you know devonta freeman only played what like 13 and a half games and he still had like 70 targets so i think you could probably draw up I would say at least eighty for for Gurley. I mean, he he wins in that way. Yes, they still have Julio. Yes, they still have Calvin Ridley, who will probably play ten games again this year. They bring in Hayden Hurst. They they add uh, Laquan Sanu. I'm going with that one from now on because it's <laughs> going to happen. Sanu. I like it's it. New, it's the new Muhammad Sanu. And then you've got you've got Gurley. I, I think they still bring in a, a rookie, um, maybe a, a late day two or day three, whatever you want to. Um, draw up for them just to kind of fill that that role otherwise if you really think brian hill or Edo smith can can be something
1: sure whoa but they, whoa whoa, quadrials bro
0: yeah no he he's horrible um <laughs> yeah I, I think i think girly is actually a pretty decent buy because everyone's so done and over with him they, they they truly do believe he's washed and at this point everyone's rushing to go get daryl henderson I would probably trade Daryl Henderson to get Todd Gurley fairly comfortably. I mean, nobody's going to give you Todd Gurley for Daryl Henderson. Not in two leagues already, Nathan. Wait, that's that's ridiculous. They were packaged, but it, one of them was like a move up in a second, you know, flip flop, whatever.
2: That's crazy. And if 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 that's the price on Gurley, if you if you can get him in, in some kind of move like that, obviously uh, for me that's that's buy Todd Gurley. I just think right now because the Falcons look like a decent offense and it looks like a, an uptick in his stock. I don't know. I, I, I avoid the sticker shock moments, like you said earlier, Nathan, and then just go, go searching later, maybe in the summer to, to go by. But, but yeah, I, I think if, if people are thinking <laughs> he's left for dead, they're wrong.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm investing at a mid RB two price. I, I think that he ends up being, you know, like the one Oh five, one Oh six equivalent in rookie value. Uh, and there is some some risk there because you know he hasn't been the same player as of late but i think he's going to get the workload and i think he's gonna be a good enough offense that he's going to be producing at at, at a high-end rb2 value in 2020 and he's still fairly young his knees might not be young but he is he isn't like a 30 year old by any means all right let's move on to our next one uh this one i think is one of the more like meh signings or meh acquisitions of the offseason so far. That's Melvin Gordon to the Broncos. I I thought they had a decent, you know, tandem with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Obviously not like the best running back core in the world, but out of the list of needs the Denver Broncos had, running back was not at the top of it. So when they add Melvin Gordon, basically saying that Royce Freeman is not going to, you know, be getting any more carries and it's just going to be the Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay show. I think that that kind of just kills both of their fantasy values. I think they're both going to be RB threes. You know, maybe that might be a little bit too optimistic for Lindsay saying that he's going to kill Melvin Gordon's value. But I, I don't think we've seen enough from Melvin Gordon in the last you know year, year and a half to think that he's you know lightning years ab- uh, above Phil Lindsay.
2: No, I don't, I don't think so either. I think uh, there was a, a clear changing of the guard in terms of just sheer talent level and, and efficacy last year for the the backfield for the Chargers and they rewarded the best back and it was Austin Eckler. Uh, and so this year, it wouldn't be surprising if they did kind of uh, give you a really annoying split uh, a la maybe, uh, you know, uh, Danny Woodhead, what he used to do, <laughs> you know, just kind of sap some value, steal some touchdowns uh, and be annoying if you're relying on Gordon every week. Uh, but definitely, I, at this point, I, I don't think I'm relying on Lindsay at all. I, I had him almost everywhere because I got him for, for free, and so that really stinks. But I think he's at best, at best, a 1B. And so whatever you thought he was going to be, uh, take that down a notch, maybe like 40% at this point. Yeah. Are you guys kind of tracking in, in, that, in that range?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's gone from Lindsay being, you know, a low-end RB2 to he being a low-end RB3, high-end RB4. And I think yeah. that... I think that Melvin is clearly like an RB three at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Broncos ran the ball just, just about 400 times last year. Um, So even if they kind of continue along that trend and Lindsay loses a little bit and Melvin gets about the same, uh, I think the only advantage Melvin has in this, in this tandem is, is the fact that he's going to pat, catch passes where Philip Lindsay just hasn't. And when he has, he hasn't been very good at it. Um, mm, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think Melvin brings a lot in that aspect. So maybe, maybe you see Melvin only carrying the ball six, eight, 10 times, but getting seven or eight targets, you know, that there, there is a, a chance that happens. I still think Denver brings in uh, another wide receiver, at least one more uh, that they draft fairly early to kind of go along with Cortland Sutton. But I think, I think Lindsay and Gordon can be somewhat sustainable. I think we can look at this as Melvin and Austin Eckler. Uh, Like, I mean, we just kind of mentioned that, but uh, I I think you can have two reasonably successful fantasy assets here. The problem is, is you're still probably going to have to pay a little bit too much for either one of them for really to get any sort of, of solid value out of, out of the assets. So honestly, unless I've already got the guys, I'm I'm probably not going out and buying uh, again, unless, unless that price really dives down, Lindsay might end up being the, the buy because he'll probably fall off the face of the planet because of the Melvin signing. So Lindsay might end up being a decent buy because I do still think he's going to get good enough volume on the ground where, he can be that two down type guy that is just free points, you know, kind of, I, I you know, like a, a poor man's Marlon Mack or a Sony Michelle or whatever you want to call it. I think he can have those types of, of decent numbers, but we'll see what Melvin brings to the table and, and how many carries he truly does get.
1: Let's move on to our next topic, which will be uh, the Carolina Panthers made two fantasy-relevant signings. Uh, they signed Theodore Bridgewater to a three-year deal and Robbie Anderson to a two-year deal. So they bring in a new quarterback, and we'll talk about the, their former quarterback after this. But right now we're talking about their current players. So we have Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, Many people are saying that this might be a bridge situation for Bridgewater water where they end up investing in a young quarterback, I think that's at least a year away. So I think that Teddy is the 2020 starter, and he has some weapons. He has Robbie Anderson, DJ DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, uh, and Christian McCaffrey, of course. So uh, what do you think of the situation Teddy's being put in, uh, uh, Travis? Well, first off, I think he's got a a challenge uh, for himself because,
2: I mean, he has to fend off P.J. Walker from the XFL. (laughs) (laughs) So... I think we're just going to completely ignore him. That's fine. I'm sure PJ listens to the podcast. He's going to be super ticked to you guys. So anyway, I I think it's a cool story. I I hope for the best. I would love to see him get one NFL start or something. But, yeah, obviously it's it's Teddy Bridgewater this year. Uh, And he showed off what he could do last year. And I'm really surprised the Saints were just like, nah. I know you're – you know. You actually completed more than six passes or whatever, but we're gonna we're gonna believe in Taysom Hill. But uh, anyway, that's 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 something else. So I think the offense is gonna look completely different. Other than Christian McCaffrey, uh, the quality of the targets in play for these wide receivers, uh, it's it's pretty huge. And and given the fact that they now have three good ones, that's huge for Teddy too. I really think Teddy, um, in this offense, if if he can add some rushing yards and uh, and just I don't know how he's anything worse than QB 15. You know, if you're playing super flex, he could work his way up into the back end quarterback one, just based on the level of, of talent around him. It looks like, I mean, anytime you got Christian McCaffrey, you got DJ Moore, you got Curtis Samuel, you got Robbie Anderson. Um, and even though he doesn't launch the ball downfield in a high volume, when you have two guys that really can win in that way, and he's already shown he can, he can have success in a smaller sample. I think they're going to have some some fun, you know, midfield strikes going on to Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore is going to be the every single down target hog along with Christian McCaffrey. It's going to be a fun offense. Uh, I think a top 10 offense uh this year, which is which is a far cry from what they uh the mess they were last year uh, with uh Kyle Allen. And and he was okay, but uh, he was he was Kyle Allen. So uh, I'm pumped for all the weapons except for uh, Curtis Samuel just because I, I he had 100 plus targets last year didn't really do much with them obviously the quality maybe going to be better this year but Robbie Anderson is going to take his best role on that offense and DJ Moore is better at everything else so I'm not buying Curtis Samuel but the rest of pieces uh, could be interesting
1: well the the one thing I would say is that Samuel is the loser of this deal. And I I think even to an extent, uh, Robbie Anderson is a bit of a loser because, you know, there was some, there was some hope that he would land in a wide receiver one role that didn't happen as DJ Moore is the wide receiver one in in Carolina. But I I think Samuel's the one that gets valued the most. He was pretty much being valued as a fringe starter guy. And now he's more of a injury slash bi-week fill-in guy. And we'll see how that offense evolves. But, I, I do think that if there's one guy I'm trying to like put the feelers out, see how cheap it is, it would be Samuel because there's a chance he could be going for like a third round rookie pick right now. Unlikely, but I think that it, it's, it's possible. Uh,
0: disappointed in you fellas. Uh, I think the only loser in this scenario is in fact, Robbie Anderson. He's a moron off the field. Uh, <laughs> really honestly, not all that great on the field. Yeah, when he's getting peppered with targets, he's doing fine. But like we talked about with Tom Brady earlier, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't win down the field. Where does Robbie Anderson win? Down the field. Where does Curtis Samuel win? Not down the field. Curtis Samuel wins around the line of scrimmage. He's basically a glorified Christian McCaffrey. So uh, I think I think we see McCaffrey take a pretty decent-sized dip in targets. I don't think there's any reason for him to be getting 140 targets every season. Keep him around 100, maybe 110, whatever you want to do. Get DJ Moore back to that 130, 140 range. And Samuel and Robbie can probably both exist with about 100. Uh, I don't know that Robbie's going to get to 100. Just, again, because how comfortable is Teddy throwing the ball down the field? Does he really feel like throwing it 100 times downfield? Can Robbie win in the intermediate areas? I don't really know that answer. um, But from what I've seen from Robbie, probably not. I think, again, this offense goes through Christian McCaffrey and D.J. Moore and, you know, whatever whatever piece of the pie that that Robbie and Curtis Samuel can get, they just have to be happy with. I think they're going to be around that 100 target mark, but it is going to be a very, very different looking offense. I think you guys are both spot on with that. Frank, you need to calm down back there, all right? You psycho. Stop barking in our podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you Travis do you think that that there's gonna be any room for some tight end production here or do you think uh, i mean does Ian thomas have a chance to to win out any sort of work from these guys?
2: I guess maybe some but i to me i i it, it when he gets a touchdown cool uh, and he did that once last year uh, <laughs> so i I'm not really counting on him. I know a lot of people just wanted him to come in and be the next Greg Golson, but not everybody can just do that. And and now there's definitely not enough targets for him to do that. So I don't know what you're going to sell him for, but I'd do it before he's in almost nothing.
1: We're talking again, Thomas? Yeah. Yeah. uh, I don't know. I I don't think he's dead yet. Uh, But You heard it here first. Sell all of your shares to Nathan. All of them. You get a third, no problem. All of them. All right. Well, uh, if you don't want to sell your Ian Thomas shares, you can sell your Cam Newton shares because I am the most overexposed person on the planet to both Cam Newton and Dwayne Haskins. Uh, If those two men don't start football games in 2020, I will be retiring from 90 football. So I'm overexposed to Cam Newton. Uh, (laughs) Nathan retiring. (laughs) Uh, You know, that would be good for my, my psyche. But anyways. Cam Newton released by the Carolina Panthers. Now looking for his next job. Uh, hopefully, for my sake, that he, when you're listening to this podcast, is already signed with the Chargers or the Patriots, or the Jaguars, anywhere. So anywhere he can get a starting job. I guess I, I'm asking Travis: uh, Will Cam Newton have a starting job in Week One?
2: I think so. I I. I... You hate to see him not get another shot because it's not like he's completely dead unless unless there's just something that we really don't know and it's it's one of those situations where it's just going to be a, a bother for year plus like it was like with Andrew Luck or something crazy. Uh, I can't imagine he's not going to be the best option for some NFL team week one even if you know he goes to a situation where they draft a rookie pretty high. How is Cam freaking Newton if he's healthy not going to be better than a rookie? I don't care who it is.
0: A lot of people, a lot of people don't like him. I, I'm on board basically with Nathan. That's not the Dwayne Haskins part, but, uh, over, <laughs> <laughs> I've got too many Cam Newton shares and, and hopefully it'll be for a good reason. I think, uh, you know, 2018 clearly wasn't healthy, wasn't right. And, you know, kind of worked to get that shoulder where it needed to be. And then all of a sudden the foot happens and now we've got injuries stacked on injuries. Is he healthy? Uh, Again, we don't know that, and with all of this craziness going on, we may not know that for a little while. You know, these guys aren't allowed to really meet with who they need to meet with to get cleared for different things and to you know pass physicals
1: and all of that stuff. But we said that about Gurley, and then he was signed within 24 hours.
0: Yeah, but he could he could have passed a physical. He wasn't failing physicals. Cam, we don't know if he could pass a physical. uh, The
1: the Panthers did report he passed a physical in Atlanta yesterday, so.
0: Okay, so they could say that, and then he couldn't. I mean, it's happened before. Um, but if he's healthy, it's hard to imagine he's not he's not there. The problem is, is he 100%. I don't want not 100% Cam Newton. We've seen 100% Cam Newton, and he's an incredible fantasy asset. The problem with not 100% Cam Newton is we're not going to get 100 rushing, you know, touches, and we're probably not going to get to that 500 pass benchmark. So we're gonna need an offense that's basically run first and has decent weapons to make him viable when he does get to those 500 potential passing attempts. Also, do we really want Cam Newton still running that much? Probably not, but that's where all of his fantasy upside is, or a lot of it. So it's a it's a kind of a tough proposition. I love Cam Newton. I, I really hope. He finds a new home and, and is successful there, but I'm pretty skeptical on on if we can get him to 100% and if he can truly change the way he plays. Because if he plays the way Cam Newton's been playing, he's not gonna last. And I mean, it's gonna be another six game season or whatever we want to call it for him. But yeah, I mean, what are the what are the options? Like L.A. Chargers?
1: I mean, it's oh, just char- Chargers. The Pats who don't have caps and maybe Jacksonville if they don't want to go all in on Minshew I think I think Jacksonville ends up
0: drafting somebody I don't know that they go down the Cam route. even though Cam and Duvall that's gonna I mean that would
1: work that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) do you you have any predictions for for Cam landing spot Travis yeah I think it'd be fun to go to the Chargers
2: I think uh that that would be that'd be a blast uh him him to Keenan and really uh, the last time we saw Cam he was still a really decent passer I know He's he's never relied on just his passing stats to, to give us you know fantasy goodness, but really that was pretty much his second best season as a passer outside of his MVP year. Uh, if you look at his touchdown to interception ratio, his touchdown percentage, you know adjusted yards per, per attempt, like a lot of just by the metrics, by the numbers, he was still a really good passer. So I, I hope he gets back to that point maybe he gets four touchdowns five rushing touchdowns whatever it is 100 carries not 150 carries like <laughs> like he he was you know doing before but you know i i think at age 31 i don't think he's dead so I think we, and and just to go from Phillip Rivers to the mobile like the, the least mobile quarterback in in NFL history to to Cam Newton that would be a lot of fun for the Chargers fans like all three of them
0: <laughs> all three Chargers fans. I love it. Uh,
1: all right. That'll wrap us up for today. Uh, Travis, any last words, anything, last things to plug before we head out? Just,
2: you know, that rookie guide. Definitely check it out. It, the second edition just dropped here recently. So it's like basically 40 pages of, of awesome rookie coverage. Uh, so get pumped about that. Uh, be looking for some more Debbie coverage from, from me here on Rotobiz as well. Here soon, but uh, that's about it for me. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: For sure. All right, that, that wraps up for another edition of the Dice cast. brought to you by RotoViz Radio and our friends over at betonline.ag. Promo code BlueWire, right, Dan? That's,
0: that's right. Stay inside, promo, kids.
1: Promo code BlueWire. Stay inside. Uh, don't do drugs. And kadoosh.